Amen. <clears throat> How's it going? All right. It is 8 o'clock or 8.30 or whatever time it is now, but we're up. We didn't let no silly time change mess us up. We're moving. We've had a week to recover, so now we're in good shape. So, guys, thank you all for being here. I'm excited to be here. Stephen told me before I walked on stage, he said, break a leg. <laughs> so if that happens, y'all just leave me. Just leave me. There ain't nobody big enough, I think, to pick me up out of this place. So just, just let me fall. But uh, Stephen and I were actually talking this morning. Um, he goes, why do you have the microphone? I said, well, I'm preaching. He said, I know, but why? Well, he said, why? I said, because they needed a great preacher. He goes, no, no, no. Tim is a, is a great preacher. I was like, no, no, Tim's okay, but I'm great. And he goes, no, you're great, but Tim's the best, is what he says. I was like, man. So I've got really, uh, really big shoes to fill for Stephen today. So um, just as Kenton told you, a little recap from last Sunday. So Brad, um, he was awesome. I, lo I loved him being here. But he, he told us four things. Uh, the four things, and he talked in Ephesians 2, and he says that first off, you are called. First and foremost, you are called. Um, then he wanted us to get equipped, get eager, and get engaged. And for me today, I'm going to say to get going. So we've done these four things. We, we know we're called. We know we're equipped. We're getting eager and we're getting engaged. Now we're going to get going. So uh, he, uh, he gave a great analogy. And uh, that analogy was about football. And I really apologize for all of you Kentucky fans out there because uh, those volunteers had to put a whipping on you last night. I'm real sorry. I'm real sorry. Now we're going to uh, get booed off the stage, right? Um, but he gave a football analogy, and the football analogy was this, that football is nothing but 22 people in desperate need of rest being watched by thousands of people in desperate need of exercise. That's good. If y'all missed that last week, then y'all just, y'all missed it because that was really, really clever. And he used it to compare it to the church that, you know, there are people on this stage or there are people in the church that are in desperate need of rest. They've been given and given and given, and they're being watched by a congregation that's in desperate need of exercise, to exercise these muscles that God has given us to be used for his kingdom. Um, the one, if we're going to stick on a sports analogy, the one that I like um, is I had a mentor and a trainer. Uh, some years ago, um, his name was Mike, and Mike loved Kentucky basketball. Anybody in here like Kentucky basketball? Yeah. Love Kentucky basketball. But he thought he was smarter than all the announcers, so he would actually watch Kentucky basketball on mute the whole time, and he would do his own play-by-play. -play. He would say all of the things. Mike loved to watch Kentucky basketball on mute. So my prayer for us today is that we don't watch this sermon, we don't watch this church service on mute. Y'all listening to me? That just fell, that fell real deaf. Is that you don't, you don't, you don't sit here and have it on mute. I know that we often want to just sit there and, and watch all the things and say, well, man, I wish, that, I wish that Tim would wear a suit and tie, or oh, that I wish that we would play these hymns, or I wish that we would do this, or I wish that we would do that. And we want to sit back there and do our own play-by-play -play and our own announcing and our own critique of everything that happens up here. But my prayer today is that you listen to the word that God has for you specifically 
carefully and you listen it with the volume all the way up. And listen, I, I, I apologize, but I'm not sorry that I'm going to give you the, the volume all the way up just because that's my, that's my standard. So get going. We're going to turn to Matthew 25 and we're going to read uh, 14 through 30. 14 through 30. As you're turning there, I want to talk to you about a couple of needs that we have in the church, in this church specifically. So on a given Sunday, it takes between 65 and 100 volunteers in order to make these services happen. Tell you that again, 65 to 100 volunteers, unpaid people that just do this out of the kindness of their heart. 65 to 100 people. And the 100 is at the high side because that's whenever we have a choir, right? So there could be 20, 30, 40 people up on stage. So somewhere between 65 and 100. And according to Warren, so if he's wrong, you talk to him. He told me this, that about 150 people is what we have as regular volunteers. So y'all, y'all do the math there. 65 to 100 is what it takes on a daily basis. There's four Sundays a month, and 150 people is what we have that volunteer on a regular basis. So then what are our, what are our needs? What do, we, what do we need people for? We need small group leaders. We need people that are willing to just either love on a group, teach them about Jesus, or people that are, are nursery workers. We all the time need nursery workers so that we can put this through a rotation. Um, we have a new service. We have another service that meets in here at 930, and that's amazing. We're growing. We need space for people to be. So because of that, we need new leaders. We need Sunday school teachers. We need people that are willing to lead in all of these different avenues. We have new classes. We've got to have some new classes. But the main thing that we have as a need in this church is the same thing that we had in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, it said that there were no needs in the community. There were zero needs amongst the community that was the first body of believers. And if y'all don't know, but we have needs of individuals that are here in this church. We've got people that are struggling with anxiety. We've got people that can't pay their bills. We've got people that their kids are sick and they need need a babysitter because they're so stressed out and they just need somebody to give them a break. We've got all of those needs happening right here in this church today. So be praying for those and be thinking about those as we pray. So will you guys stand? Let's stand as we read God's word. Brother told me that we could only um, keep attention for five minutes. So if I get you up and down like we do at a Catholic church, maybe I can keep your attention a little bit longer. So verse 14, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. 20, this is Matthew 25, verse 14. Kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. If you remember the King James Version, the King James Version that I learned, it said talents. He gave five talents, two talents, one talent. Talents. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from the trip and called to them to give account of how they used the money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward and five more he, and, and forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, and now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the servant replied, the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest out of it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags. To those, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing... Even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Take a seat. Take a seat. So this is a a pretty familiar passage to to many of it, the the parable of the talents, or in in this, the New Living Translation, it says the parable of the three servants. So whenever we preach this, or whenever you hear this preached, it's always talking about money. We're always talking about money. It's like, hey, God gave you money, invest into the church, and we'll make it more money. We'll we'll grow it, we'll blossom it, all that kind of thing. But I want to talk about it in the sense of what you've been given and what you've been given. And I want you to know, first and foremost, that we were all given something. So if you notice, all three of these servants, they were given something. One was given five, the other two, and the other one. We were all given some piece of something. And uh, if if you were here, the very first sermon that I ever preached on this stage uh, was about Moses. It was about Moses at the burning bush. And in that that scene, I I, I love this imagery and I love this this story in the Bible that Moses is is pretty much arguing with God. He's saying, well, you know, I can't speak really well. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll send your brother Aaron. Well, I can't do this. He said, okay, well, I'll do this. Well, I can't do this. What if they, what if they don't, uh, what if they don't recognize me or who am I going to say that you are? And all of these things, he goes on and on and on. And at one point he says, well, how am I going to show them? Like how am, how am I going to give an example that, that you are God? And God asked a question. He says, what is in your hand? What's in your hand? And I just, I, I can imagine me in this situation that I'm like, don't really want to look like, oh, oh, okay, okay. I was going to, I was afraid he was going to put 10 fingers or something on my hand. You know, I just, I was, I was terrified in that, in that moment. I could see me in that thing going, oh man, what does he, what does he put in my hand? It was a staff. It was a shepherd's staff. So if you think anything about Moses in this time, Moses was a shepherd and the most mundane, ordinary object in his life was a shepherd's staff. And the thing that I want you to know about that story is that Moses brought it with him. Moses brought it with him. God didn't give it to him on the mountain. It wasn't like the Ten Commandments. This is a staff that was used to part the Red Sea. This was the staff that brought water from the rock in the wilderness. This was the staff that he threw down and it turned into a serpent. This same staff that Moses brought with him from who knows when, probably as soon as he became a shepherd, they they gave him a staff. He brought that with him. And he had it to be used, and God could use it. The exact same thing for you guys. You've got everything that you need. 
You have got whatever God wants to use. You don't need anything else that he gave it to you way, way before. And let's, let's think about some of those things. So maybe it's creativity. Maybe you're incredibly creative. Maybe you have this immense knowledge of the Bible. Maybe you have a musical talent. And um, did y'all see David Hutchinson up here? Where is David? Where's, is David in here? He's not even in here. I was going to brag on him, and he's not even in here. David was crushing it. Y'all see him getting after it. David was killing it. So you got this musical talent that was trying, trying to be cute. I'm sorry. Um, or maybe, maybe you're a good public speaker. Maybe you've been blessed with finances. Um, maybe you're incredibly well-educated. You have a doctorate in divinity. There's David. Y'all, y'all look, everybody look at David now that he walked back in. Yes. So maybe you're incredibly well-educated. Maybe you've got time. Maybe you're retired and you're just saying, hey, man, I, I've got this time and I need to use it. Maybe you have this gift of hospitality and you've got this home that you just want to share with others or you love to cook and you love to bless other people. Or maybe you're like me and you just have an outgoing personality. All of these, these blessings and these gifts that God gave you. And I wrote this down. This, and maybe you were born with it or you were blessed with it. Either way, God wants to use it. God wants to use it either way. So we've got all these things. We've got all these positive attributes to our lives. But instead, we want to focus on all the negatives. We want to focus on all the things that we don't have or all the things that we have that we think are less. If I was in this story, I know that if I was one of the other two servants that I would say, well, why didn't he give me five bags? Why didn't, why didn't I have five bags? Why didn't I only get one bag of silver? Or man, why... You know, if I, if I would have had those two bags of silver, then I, I really could have done something with it. But this, this one bag of silver is really, is really useless. You know, I can't do anything but dig a hole and, and drop it in there. Maybe, maybe that's how we're thinking today. I know that that would be that guy. Or maybe we have all of these other excuses. Maybe it's, maybe it's anxiety. Maybe you're not like me and you're not an extrovert. Maybe you're an introvert. Maybe you're shy. Maybe you have a lot of kids. Maybe you've got kids that you're saying, well, they're sick, and I can't do all these things. I can't go, and I can't be used because I've got kids. Or maybe you don't have any money. Maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck, or you have all these commitments, and you're doing all these other things outside of here, and you just don't know where to start. I know that that's the biggest, one of the biggest things for me is I was like, man, I, I really want to be used by God. I want to lead these mission trips. I want to start a church. I want to just change the entire world, but I don't really know where to start. Or maybe you're really like me and you're really disorganized. So if y'all would look at these papers, it's all over the place. And uh, thank the Lord for a good wife because she's like, no, 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 let's, let's write this a little bit better. Let's make this look like something. Um, Maybe you're really disorganized. So let's, just real quick, I'm going to turn to John chapter 8, and I, I want to share with you a little story. So John chapter 8, the very end of it, verse 58, it says, Jesus answered, and he's talking to the Pharisees at this point. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. This is one of the times that God, Jesus is referring to himself as God. So just like the story I was saying about Moses in, in Exodus, that he said, what is your name? What are we going to call you? He said, I am. So Jesus is making a direct line back to that point whenever God said his name was I am. And Jesus is now saying, even before Abraham was born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. They were about to beat him to death with stones. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. So with 
with Scripture, the way that Scripture was written, it wasn't broken up into all of these different parts and pieces and verses and chapters. It was written as one continuation. And if we look at the theology, or if we look at the, not, not theology, but we look at the commentaries, that these two verses, verse 59 and then 9-1, are actually connected in a way. And it said, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not his parent, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. My question for us is, what have you got going on? What do we have going on that's more dangerous, more scary than about to get stoned? And as Jesus was walking along, he left the temple, he's walking along, and suddenly he stops and goes, hey, here's a guy that's been blind from birth. These guys over here still wanting to throw rocks at him to beat him to death. And as he's leaving the temple, as he's walking along, he stops and says, this is so God can be glorified. Are y'all with me today? Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me today? What have we got going on that's more important than getting beat to death with rocks? Let's keep going. Jesus even says in verse 4, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work, but while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. This guy is blind. Jesus is getting chased by dudes with rocks, all right? And he said, hey, we got to do this quick because not only am I only in the world for a short amount of time, but these guys are still chasing us. Am I, am I here by myself, Sherilyn? <laughs> and not only was he blind, but this is one of the few stories in the Bible where it says he was born blind. This guy ain't ever seen a time in his life. So not only is he being chased by dudes with rocks, and they're dudes, right? Can we use dudes? Is that that loud on dudes? Dudes is fine, right? So these dudes with rocks are chasing Jesus, and not only does he stop to heal an average blind man, he gets the worst blind guy in the Bible because he's been born blind. Even more severe, he stopped to do that while he's getting chased with rocks. I'm going to keep saying it until y'all finally get it. What do we have going on that we can't stop and help somebody? What do we have going on that we can't stop and use the power that God gave us to help somebody? Y'all, our answer is nothing. Our answer is absolutely nothing. We ain't got nothing going on that's more important than using the power that that God gave us. I'm about to get fired up, so y'all just hold on. Y'all just hold on. So we got to do this quickly. And And I love here that this man was blind, and Jesus made it a point to say, hey, I'm going to open his eyes so he can see the light. And he said, I'm the light. 
I'm the light. I'm what he needs to see. I'm the thing that he needs to experience, more so than his vision, but he needs to see the glory of God, the glory of heaven on this earth here in this place. So y'all know Mark McElroy? Y'all know him? And y'all know Pastor Tim? I know he's great. He's the best preacher, right? So I was talking to them whenever I was studying, whenever I was preparing, and I um, was just kind of giving some, giving some feed, get, or trying to get some feedback. And I think Mark McElroy figured that I was about to get really harsh, and I was about to point my finger and be like, y'all need to get out of here, and y'all need to get up, and y'all need to get moving. And, and that's probably what I told, what, what I told Mark. Um, and, and, and Tim was feeling the same thing. Um, but Mark kind of stopped me and he said, listen, the best thing you can do is to give us some practical applications on how to do this. And Tim echoed that in the sense that we are a church and, and, and we are a people that really want to do this. We are a church that really wants to get going. We want to get moving. We don't want to be uh, a club Brad talked about the difference in an army versus a club and how a club is just there for your own gain, but whereas an army is there for a greater gain, a, a greater purpose. And we're, we're an army. And I truly believe that the folks here and we here at Woodburn Baptist are an army. We desire to be an army. So Mark said, hey, just give us some practical applications, and I feel like we'll do it. I think, I think that we'll definitely get going. And there's nothing that I feel like is more practical than the fact that Jesus came down, he died, he was busy, all of that kind of thing, and he did everything for us, and now God just wants our yes. He just wants our yes. What are you, what are you talking about, Caleb? Whenever you see an opportunity that comes along, he just wants your Yes. Everything else will get figured out along the way. He just wants you to say, yes, God, I'm going to move in that direction. Yes, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Yes, God, I don't know what all the details are. I don't know how it's going to happen, God, but yes, I'm going to do it. There's a lady that's speaking tonight. If y'all have the opportunity to come back tonight and hear Hillview sing and, and, and bring the worship and then hear Brittany Hoyt bring a message about praying powerfully. But Brittany is one of the most impressive ladies that I've ever met outside of my wife because my wife is way better looking. But Brittany is so impressive that, that she didn't know how that she was going to do these things, how that she was going to lead missionaries, how that she was going to change the country of Nicaragua. But she felt God just saying, give me your yes. Give me your yes. Just say yes to me, and I promise I'll bless you in a way that you could never imagine. Give me your yes, and I promise all of these details and all these things that you're so worried about, they're going to be nothing. They're going to seem like absolutely nothing. If you just give me your yes, and we think about all of these weaknesses. We think about all of these excuses that, that are keeping from that. Yes, we talked about anxiety, shyness, kids, no money. You know, you, you got all these other commitments, and, and we don't know where to start, and we're disorganized. He thinks about all of these weaknesses, but in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, I boast in my weaknesses so that Jesus can be glorified. Amen. That Jesus can be glorified. I'm going to tell you all a story, and, and she gave me the green light to say this, but... But my wife struggles with anxiety. 
And it's something that I don't understand. It's something that I don't know how to help with. But you know that the thing that she gets to talk to women about more than anything is anxiety. This thing that we look at as a weakness and these things that we feel like are all the negatives in our lives that God has has allowed her to bless so many other women out of her struggle. Out of the thing that she struggles with the most, she's been able to to bless people with. And I think it's time that we stop letting the devil dictate how we see ourselves and how we see the world and how we see all of these needs around us and stop looking at our weaknesses and start considering them our strengths. Start considering their strengths. In all of these stories and all of these examples, as we're going through, going through this story, when they used what they were given, when they invested it, at the very beginning it says that the kingdom of God is like this, and it continued on. So when they invest their money, they invest their gifts into the kingdom, that they got a double portion. They doubled whatever was given. Investing their gifts, investing what they had into the, portion, into the kingdom gave them a double portion. If you remember, if you, that was a hard word. When you remember back in the Old Testament with Elijah and Elisha, Elisha only wanted one thing. He said, I want a double portion of whatever Elijah had. He said, I want a double portion of his spirit. But I think the thing that we got to remember about Elisha is when Elisha was called, when Elisha was called, Elijah walked by, threw his cloak on him, and he ran to catch him, asked him what was going on, and he said, hey, come follow me. Come follow me. You know what Elijah did? He ran back to his house, and he burned his plow. He broke his plow up, set it on fire, cooked his oxen, fed everybody in the community and said, see ya, I'm going with this guy. He burned his plow. I know for me that I hold on to all of the things that I was doing before I got called. And I'm holding on to all the things that I had in my life that I thought were important and I thought were special and I thought were necessary. But, but God tells us in that story to burn your plows. Elijah made his, Elisha made his living plowing as a farmer. He made his living doing that. And God told him to burn his plows. So he had no connection back to whatever it was that he was doing before he was called. And I think we need to burn our plows. I think we need to cut ties with everything that it is, everything that it was before God came into our lives and just say, hey, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I trust you. And scripture tells us that he received a double portion. If you count through all the miracles and all the things that Elisha did, it was twice as much as Elijah. A double portion. And real practical. Just don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. The master tells the servant, he says, you lazy 
and wicked servant. Lazy. I know that I like to sit and scroll through Instagram and, and look at all of these other things. And then come the end of the day, I'll be like, man, I just didn't have time to get anything done. Or I'll sit around and, and, and watch television and then go to sleep at night going, man, where did this day go? What did I, what did I do? Or I'll sit around and make excuse after excuse after excuse and not have spoken, not have preached, not have done anything, not have read my Bible, done anything that God wants me to do. So our idea is to get connected. And our idea is to, to, to be connected. And, and I have been praying for connections in cafe, and I've been praying for people to hear what has been spoken on this stage and to see life change. And that it connects, right? That whatever's spoken connects with the needs that are going on in people's lives. I've been praying for that. But I think the biggest connection is that we just need to get connected to God. We just need to get connected to him, whether it's through reading our Bible, whether it's through praying, or maybe we can just get connected in this body by meeting the people next to you. Look around this room. Let's take just a half a second. Look around this room and, and just think about how many people in here that you don't know their name. This is practical. This is a, this is a real thing. Don't just look at me. Look around the room. Look around the room and think about all the people that you don't know and make eye contact with them, wink at them, not in a weird way. <laughs> make eye contact with them. My challenge for you as you walk out of this door is that we got this little hallway and we're all got to go right through there. Would y'all just say, hey, I'm Caleb. Hey, my name is, hey, this is, this is me. Get connected to somebody that's right next to you, learn about them genuinely. There's no test at the end of this. But if there was going to be, would you remember their name? Would you remember their, their profession? Would you remember something that, that they had going on in their lives that you felt like you needed to pray about? Learn about them genuinely. Maybe you want to meet their needs talked about Acts chapter 4 and how that all of the needs of the community were met. Maybe you've got a blessing that you want to meet someone else's need with. It's not all about money. It's not all about money. I'm not up here trying to get a donation and trying to be a TV pastor or anything, and y'all, y'all send your $20 and God's going to send you $40. I'm not saying that. It's not all about money. But you can meet their needs. Maybe there's somebody walking through here. Maybe there's somebody sitting right here that just needs a hug. Just needs you to say, hey, it's going to be all right. Or maybe there's someone that doesn't want to be touched and does not like hugs. I'll let you discern that. But can I speak something into your life right now? I, wanna, I, I, I don't know who needs to hear this, and, and, and I don't need to know. But you're enough. You're enough to be used. 
You're enough to be powerful, and you are special. No matter what you got going on, no matter these secrets that you're holding on to and these things that you feel like are just going to be way too big for God to ever use, you're enough. And we're about to have a, a time of altar call, and we're about to invite you up here into this place. And, and something I want you to do, if you, if you feel led to do this, if you're sitting there and you're like, hey, I don't, I don't know how to use this or this. Or, hey, I've got this thing, and I don't know what to do with it. Or, I've got this problem, and I just need, it, need to get rid of it, or, or whatever it might be, or whatever that list is. Will you come up here? I ain't going to tell nobody. Tim's going to be up here. Kenton's going to be up here. All these guys are going to be up here. If you'd rather talk to a woman, Sherilyn's going to be up here. We're going to be here to receive you and just to love you. There's no, we're not going to hold anything over your head. There's, there, there's nothing you got to sign. We just want to love you. Let's pray. God, what an incredible opportunity to stand before your people and to speak your word. God, I thank you for this opportunity. But God, even more than that, I thank you for the blessing that is your son. I thank you that before all of us were here, that he prepared the way and that he died so that we could have life and that we could be used by you, God. God, you called us into community with one another. You, you created Eve so that Adam wouldn't be alone, and we're not alone in this place today. God, I pray for these connections that we can not only get to know each other, but we can meet each other's needs, God. I pray a blessing over the lives that are in this room, the lives that are listening, the lives that are hearing this in some way. God, I pray a blessing over them that can only come from you, that their needs are met in a way that is so powerful that it has to be God. God, I pray for courage. I pray that there is courage in this place to take that first step, to come down in this place and to pray before you, not, a, not before anyone else or any other God or any other thing, but that they pray to you and kneel at your feet because you're capable. God, we pray all of these things in your son's name. Amen. Will you come?